With the Gust Paranormal Investigative Team out of the building, Miranda was doing a final walk through the old historic jail before leaving for the night. It was 3.30 a.m. As she was getting ready to leave, she paused and listened. Very clearly, she remembers, she heard a very deep male voice hum, clear its throat, and then continue making the sound. Miranda knew she was alone in the old historic Scott County Jail turned museum in rural Tennessee. Excited, she texted her best friend Christy, who was scheduled to open the museum the next morning, and asked her to look at security footage to see if she could pick up the low humming. The next morning, Christy contacted her excitedly. No, we didn't pick up the hum, she said, but we have two very clear voices saying, there she is, and not so loud next time. I'm Steve Blanchard. Welcome to Phantom History. In the rural town of Huntsville, Tennessee, not too far from the town square, stands a three-story building that many might mistake for a castle. The large building is the historic Scott County Jail, a building opened in 1904 as a place to house the unruly citizens of the area whether they were drunk and disorderly, or accused of a murder. It saw thousands of incarcerations, multiple sheriff's administrations, and more than a few suicides in its 104 years as a jail. It officially closed its doors in 2008. Today it is a museum, tourist attraction, and the site of ongoing paranormal investigations thanks to Miranda Young, also known by the name Ghostbiker, and Dr. Christy Sumner, Two friends with paranormal investigation backgrounds who saw an opportunity to celebrate the history of rural Tennessee while offering a chance for paranormal research. Miranda said she grew up in Huntsville and has always been fascinated with the large, ominous building and is thrilled to be so involved with it today. So the jail is in my hometown of Huntsville, Tennessee. And so I was familiar with that jail from, from early, early childhood. The jail is such a unique structure. It's made out of sandstone. It's three stories and it's shaped like a castle. And a castle here in the middle of the mountains of East Tennessee is something you don't see every day. And so with it, where it's sat, it's, it's right there in the back of the square in, in Huntsville, which Huntsville is a very small town, but it was right outside the library. And so I spent so much time in that library I can remember going in with my mom at, from a very, very young age and looking over to my left side there and seeing the inmates hanging out the windows or being in the uh, backyard there at the jail and really just really wondering what's it, what does it look like on the inside? Could that place be haunted? And I, I just kept thinking, I know that's got to be haunted in there. So I did know the history of it very well and also a lot of the history and stories that surrounds, surrounds the jail. I grew up hearing those. Plus, I had some family who very, very early on during the building of the jail, um, that they, you know, they worked there. So, um, so very familiar with it. And after it ended up closing down, I wasn't sure what they were going to do with it. But um, back in 2020, the opportunity cha uh, came up to where I needed to move back back to the area to, to help my mom and to just be in the area. And I was speaking to a friend who worked for uh, worked for the government here in the community, and I asked him if because I I host a lot of haunted motorcycle rides, 
And I was asking him if this could be a, a spot of maybe using it as a stop. And he said, you know, they hadn't done anything with it since they got the tourism grant. So I ended up approaching Christy and saying, you know, what I have in mind for this is possibly too much for one person. And so her situation was that she was able to uh, pack up and join me in this. And so we've been, we've been at it for ever since for, I guess, the past year and a half. When Miranda and Christy were given the keys to the historic Scott County Jail, they knew they had a lot of work ahead of them. It was unsound, needed to be cleaned, and prepared for the safety of future visitors. Christy shares that the jail sat empty between 2008 and 2017 before some repainting was done and a heating and cooling system was added. Then, she added, it sat vacant again until she and Miranda stepped inside four years later. She says it looks like a time capsule. Today, the building still looks like a time capsule, with authentic displays and remnants of the building's life as a jail prevalent throughout. When the jail closed in 2008, they literally just shut the doors and left. So the wanted and missing posters behind me, those were original when the jail closed. So when the doors locked, those those posters were hanging there. Um, this uh, little board right here behind me, uh, this would have been the inmate intake board. So inmates' names were written on that board and then assigned to cells. The height chart, that was original. Uh, so, that, so it's kind of interesting to have those things that were here when the building doors were locked, still hanging on the wall. Originally, the jail was built as a two-story jail. It was built in 1904. It was built as a two-story building. In 1922, there was a fire that uh, caught the roof on fire. And instead of just repairing that, they decided to add the third level in 1922. So the third level became our maximum security level. So it looks typically like a, a jail that you would envision, you know, the bars and all of that. And then the second floor became what we call the trustee cells. So those are larger dorm style looking cells, if you will. And because those were the trustee inmates would stay. And then this first floor, there's a couple of cells down here, um, the drunk tanks, the solitary confinement cells, but mainly this was for administration. So the booking, the sheriff's office, interrogation rooms, those would all be here on the first floor. With more than 100 years as a place to house those accused of crimes, there's plenty of residual energy that Miranda says is behind the large number of paranormal experiences people have had throughout the building. That's part of the allure of the old historic Scott County Jail, and Miranda said she investigated the building in 2014, long before she knew she'd be in direct control of the building only a short decade or so later. Well, I was actually the first person to be able to investigate it back in 2014. I was able to go in there, do an investigation, and of course this was before they did any of the renovations and, and fix of it. it was very, very rough and uh, definitely not very safe inside. But um, I had some pretty interesting activity, especially in the drunk tank. I didn't know as much of the internal history. I knew a lot of the stories surrounding it as far as the lynchings and some of the murders and stuff that had taken place there. But I wasn't really aware of some of the inner day-to-day -day stuff that we know today. And so one of the things that stands out that I got was when I was in the drunk tank, I was able to get audible and you know great EVPs but also audible and disembodied sobbing and crying and it was a female you know later we did find out that there was a lady who did attempt suicide there inside of the drunk tank and that is a common thing that 
us as well as other teams have captured in there. But that was the one thing that really stood out to me that I had captured. So when I was talking to Christy, I said, I know when I went, there was activity, but we really spent probably about two months going in, cleaning up, and really sitting down, not so much actively investigating, but sitting there and communicating with the spirits, trying to put our intentions out there, let them know what we were doing, especially since the place had been closed for so long. So we wanted to go in, have them feel comfortable because we were essentially invading their space and changing a lot of things around. So we went in and we um, was trying to see some different things that would invoke reactions and one of the things we did find up on the uh, third floor especially was that music is such a wonderful trigger item in there and we were able we spent so much time that we were able to figure out certain songs that almost every time you play it triggers some type of activity and they've got to the point now where they know whenever we're going up giving a flashlight tour or going up and there's a team and we're talking about it they start tools start going off because they know and think we're going to play play their specific songs they like. Even before the doors reopened, Christy remembers several strange occurrences in the old historic Scott County Jail. Both women spend nearly 16 hours a day in the building at times, and during renovations, their days were sometimes even longer. It was during those renovations that Christy became convinced that something paranormal was going on inside the old building. We got the keys about two months before we actually opened because we wanted to have some time to clean up, really get our museum situated um, and come in here and really do a deep clean of, of all the cells, all the floors and all of that. And um, so we were we had all of our cleaning supplies on a table upstairs on that second level. And uh, one day I was actually out of town and Miranda called me and she said, uh, you know, I was running the shop back up in the kitchen and I dislodged this razor blade and uh underneath this this little lip of this dumbwaiter system that we had and i said well you know obviously i want to see this razor blade so i said when i come back in in the morning i'll take a look at it just set it on that table that we have up on the second floor and um and so she did and when i came in the next morning the razor blade was gone um i have yet to see the razor blade it has completely disappeared she and i were the only two people that had keys to the building we have no idea where this razor blade is gone uh, so that was an interesting uh you know phenomenon to witness uh, um, but I've seen everything. I've seen shadow figures here, um, heard door slamming, whistling, um, people clearing their throats and or sighing is kind of a big thing. Like you'll be standing upstairs and um, just do, either doing something or leading a tour and you'll hear a <clears throat> like behind you or a sigh, like a <sighs> standing next to you. Um, so that happens quite frequently. Um, and, and it really just kind of runs the gamut of, of paranormal phenomena here. Christy believes that the old Scott County Jail has both intelligent and residual spirits still dwelling inside. She's led enough tours, both historic and paranormal, to know that so many encounters can't be a coincidence. There have also been times where she has been alone in the building, or has been alone in the building with Miranda, where they have seen or spotted something that cannot be explained. So kind of some of the residual things that we've witnessed, um, we hear footsteps a lot. And 
what we found is they're kind of correlating to a specific time. Um, so those that have heard them are hearing them somewhere between about a quarter to midnight to about 10 minutes after midnight, somewhere in that window is when most people are hearing those footsteps. And we think those are residual, um, but we've also had intelligent responses as well. Uh, you know, we had um, one instance where we were upstairs uh, on our second level and we were just using some of the stories that we have upstairs as what we call trigger items. So we would read some of the stories and see if we got a response. There was a, a woman in one of the stories named Rhonda Bird. And uh, I just happened to say, I was reading the article and I said, um, did anybody hear no Rhonda Bird? And uh, we caught, we had a man yell out, I knew her. And Miranda and I were the only two people in the building, but yet we hear this man yelling down the foyer, I knew her. And we captured it on our audio recorder. So those are things we think are very intelligent, right? It's, it's hearing our conversations and response. Rhonda Bird, according to a 1980 article in the Knoxville News Sentinel, was a young mother who was found murdered in her home near Huntsville. Her accused killer was Galen Phillips. Could that have been the male voice Miranda and Christy heard from the foyer? It's difficult to be sure. Scott County Jail housed men and women for 104 years, and there have been recordings of male and female voices by not only Christy and Miranda, but by other paranormal teams as well. One incident stands out most for Miranda, who said she heard a male voice in the middle of the night not too long after a paranormal investigation team had left the property. The way we have it set up is we have someone that's basically on site but out of sight there when the teams are investigating. And so um, the team had been gone for about 30 minutes, so it was about 3.30 in the morning, and I had gone up onto the upper levels I had cleaned up and was getting things ready for when Chris was going to come in and open the next morning. So when I was coming out of the gift shop, I ended up hearing something over on the stairwell about between the second and third level. And it sounded like this really deep voice, deep, rich hum. It, I really didn't realize that was what I was hearing until it cleared its throat and continued on. So it went for about three seconds, clears its throat and then goes for another three seconds, which that's six seconds of activity is quite a long time in paranormal time. So I'm standing there and I'm, I'm kind of shocked and also a little bit upset that I don't have my recorder with me. And so I go back into the gift shop and as I'm getting my stuff to leave, you can kind of see me on the video camera in the gift shop. I'm, I'm looking just a little bit, just like, I can't believe I just heard that. And so I go in, I get my stuff, and then I go home. So I messaged Chris and I said, hey, when you come in the next morning, check the video footage in the gift shop around, you know, around 3.30 and let me know if we were able to capture this hum. Well, we didn't capture the hum, but she, she calls me all excited the next day and she's like, so I saw the people leave on the camera 30 minutes earlier and she said the timestamp that you said we didn't catch the hum but when you go back into the gift shop we caught two voices and one of them says there she is and the other says not so loud next time the spirits are not only very intelligent but they're very aware of what's going on it's crazy it was it was two voices we believe one male and one female and they were clearly telling whoever was humming on the stairs that they needed to not be so loud next time. 
The footage from the security camera was so impactful that a local television news station ran the story and shared the footage on its broadcast, Miranda said. While there are voices, footsteps, and sobs that are difficult to place within a specific historical context of the jail, there are some entities that Miranda and Christie believe are identifiable. One is that of a former sheriff, who was well-liked but met a tragic end during his time in service. Christie explains. Uh, we did have uh, Sheriff Richard Ellis. He was killed right outside the front door in 1925. Um, he was killed by a moonshiner when he was bringing an inmate into the jail. And uh, it's still an unsolved murder as to who killed Sheriff Ellis. But uh, he's one of our well-known stories here. You know, some of the evidence that we've collected really leads us to believe that Sheriff Ellis, that the energy of Sheriff Ellis is still here. We've captured shadow figures that we attribute to him simply because he was so tall. He was about uh, six, seven. And the, the shadow figures that we've captured and, and that we've seen are, are about that height. And so we kind of attribute that attribute that to him. Um, some of the evidence that some of the teams have captured when they're here lead us to believe that he is still here, as well as uh, some of the other inmates um, that we know up on the third floor that either died of natural causes or committed suicide here. Um, we do believe that there, some of those energies are still here as well. Miranda believes that whatever entities are still in the building, they are not malevolent and seem to enjoy showing themselves to visitors in various forms. Miranda is particularly fond of the spirit of Sheriff Ellis and says it's comforting to know that he's still around. I really am fond of Sheriff Sheriff Ellis because he had such a, a true devotion to his job and to the jail. And we've had different people come in that really didn't know about him and and uh, his situation. And they've said that he's paid some, some really nice, he was kind of gruff, but he paid some really nice compliments to some of the work that we've been doing there. And so um, I just find his story so tragic with his passion that, that he had. And it really feels like he kind of keeps an eye out for us with uh, some of the more ornery spirits there at the jail too. The list of spirits who haunt the old historic Scott County Jail is extensive. There are the spirits of the two inmates who were dragged out by an angry mob and publicly executed. And there's the spirit of a woman regularly heard crying in the room that used to be the drunk tank downstairs. There's also a male spirit who likes to make himself known through reflections on glass to various visitors. And former inmates and deputies who used to spend every day in the jail say that the hauntings date back to when it was still in operation. Something or someone new is discovered regularly in the building and recently Miranda found a spirit who has an interesting way of making himself known. Um, there's a entity there in the kitchen that goes by the name Chef Dan and it's crazy because we've gotten the first time we got his name we got it on the Ovilus 5 and we were right outside the kitchen and we got Chef and Dan or actually we got Dan and we were asking what what did you do here at the jail and it said Chef and so it was interesting because two weeks later I was up on a guided ghost hunt and I said I was up in that area, I couldn't remember the name Dan. And I was like, who was the chef that we were talking to uh, two weeks ago? And sure enough, we got Dan again. And then other people have gotten him. He really likes to communicate with flashlights. 
sometimes when you're talking to him, you'll get residual smells, kind of smells like um, uh, bologna, bologna frying um, or bacon. And so I actually really like communicating with him because he seems to be a very active one. As investigations continue and more visitors uncover evidence of paranormal activity, Christy is hopeful that the entities within the jail will continue to make themselves even more known in the future. A big component of that, she believes, is not only the history of the jail itself, but its physical structure and its location, which she believes both serve as a conduit for paranormal energy. So one of the reasons we do think that there are a lot of energy that is maintained within these walls is that the building itself is entirely made up of sandstone. Each brick is five feet by four feet by three feet thick and sandstone has quartz in it and we believe that that's a, a great energy conductor. Also, you know, less than 50 yards from here, there's a, a, a river and a, and a waterfall. Water is a great conductor of energy as well and also Native American influence. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of Native American uh, individuals in this area. Um, whether or not they were specifically on this land, I can't speak to that, but uh, we know that they were in the area. So that could be some of the contributing factors also. But uh, really, when we're talking about uh, the building in terms of energy, we do attribute it to the sandstone as well as the water that's running right behind us. As far as Miranda and Christy know, the spirits they have encountered so far seem to be content. They are aware of the investigations and tours going on within the building, at least that is according to Miranda. She thinks the active spirits make an effort to let themselves be known, and that's something she said she will always welcome. There's certain spirits, especially depending on what floor they're on, you can tell that they may just be going about their day, and then when you hear something or you start to kind of make yourself aware to them, it's like, oh, or make them aware that you know they're there, the activity changes. Other times there's certain ones that they clearly want, they clearly want you to know that they're there. Thank you to Miranda Young and Christy Sumner for sharing the history and hauntings of the old historic Scott County Jail in Huntsville, Tennessee. You can hear the full unedited interviews with both Christy and Miranda on the Phantom History YouTube channel and learn more about investigations at the old historic Scott County Jail. To tour the building yourself and for more information, visit them online at historicscottcojail.com and follow their page on Facebook. Music for this episode of Phantom History was provided by Purple Planet Music, Shane Ivers, Silverman Sound, and Lee Rosevere. Did you know Phantom History is more than just a podcast? Visit phantomhistoryhouse.com and learn more about the new paranormal-themed bed and breakfast in Tampa, Florida that offers unique stays and hosts events that cater to the spooky and the eerie. You can follow the podcast and the BNB on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Snapchat. If you are an investigator or historian with a story to share, please let me know via email at steve at phantomhistory.com. And as always, thanks for listening.